You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. One of the common realities of life is that everyone has troubles. No one goes through life without encountering some kind of trouble. So today you are sitting in a room full of troubles. There's relationship troubles in the room, marriage troubles, money troubles, health troubles, mental troubles, physical troubles, and the list could go on and on because we live in a world that is full of trouble. We would say we live in a world that is full of sin and suffering. And here's where the tension comes for those of us who follow Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus. The tension comes in this question. Doesn't trouble prove that God doesn't love us? Shouldn't the follower of Jesus' life be free from trouble? Like many who look in on Christianity and many who are skeptics of Christianity, that's sort of the deal. It's like if God loved you, wouldn't you not get cancer? Wouldn't you not have relationship struggles, troubles? Wouldn't you not have financial troubles? But we know that the reality of following Jesus is not that our life is trouble-free. In fact, Jesus was pretty clear in the fact that we would have trouble. In John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Jesus says before he descends back into heaven, before he he goes to the cross and is buried and rises again and goes back to heaven, he says, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble. If you go to James chapter one in verse two, James speaks to this reality as well. James says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. He doesn't say, if that comes into your life, right? If trials come. No, he says, when they come. You're in a room full of people that have troubles because we live in a world that is full of sin and suffering. And so Psalms 25 today, what we're gonna look at is all about troubles. If you were listening when they were reading the scripture, you heard the term trouble or the idea of trouble many times. He says in verse two, let me not be put to shame. The idea of shame there is don't let me be embarrassed or feel foolish, right? I'm putting all my trust in you and God and now trouble's coming in my life. Please don't let me be put to shame. Please don't let me feel foolish. Please don't let me be embarrassed by the fact that you don't intervene in my 
trouble. He says, let not my enemies exult over me. He says, consider my afflictions and and my trouble. He says, I am lonely and afflicted. He says, many are my foes. So over and over again, David is talking about trouble in his life. So this psalm is what is referred to as an individual lament psalm. It is a song that is for the moments in life when you are weighed down by trouble. So you go lay in your bed and you put your headphones on and you listen to music and this is the song that you listen to. Psalm 25. David wrote this psalm like an acrostic. Now we look at it and say, so what's the acrostic, right? Like it doesn't seem to be any pattern, but if you read it in the Hebrew language with which it was written, you'll find that David uses the alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet to list this out as an acrostic. There's a couple of instances towards the end that are a little tricky, but for the most part, it's an acrostic of the alphabet. So he's taking the Hebrew alphabet, let's say from A and going to Z, and the reason he's doing that is because they would have known the Hebrew alphabet, right? They could have quoted it like we can quote our alphabet and they could have looked at that and memorized what David was saying. And so when you read through it, it seems a little bit discombobulated. And the reason that is, is because it was an acrostic and he was trying to use it for them to memorize. And so that when they would think of a Hebrew letter, they would think of this phrase as they're going through trouble. So today we're gonna work from A to Z. Just kidding, we're not gonna do that. We don't have that much time to work from A to Z of an acrostic, so you will remember it. No, we have a shorter acrostic, but we will look at it in this idea of trouble. You see, last week is triumph. Jesus is the king of glory. This week is trouble. If Psalms 24 is a song for Sunday, remember that? they would sing that song on Sunday, then Psalms 25 is a psalm for Wednesday when life slaps you in the face. This is that kind of psalm. So if I were to put a uh, title for this psalm, I would call it a guide through trouble. Psalms 25 is a guide to lead us through troubling times. So today I want to take you on a walk with me along the path of Psalms 25. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to put your troubles down. I want you to keep your troubles on your back as we walk along the path of Psalms 25. And here's my goal for you by the time we get to the end of Psalms 25. My goal is not that your troubles are gone. My goal is that when we get to the end of this guide for trouble, you will be more confident in your relationship with God with your trouble, right? So Psalms 24, triumph. Psalms 25 is trouble. Notice with me, first of all, in verses one through five and verse 20 and 21, that the guide for trouble for us is to wait on the Lord. If you'll notice in the end of verse three, or the beginning of verse three, he says, indeed, none who wait for the Lord shall be put to shame. If you go to the end of verse five, he says, for I will wait all the day long. If you go to verse 20, he said, or verse 21, he says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for the Lord. So the theme that he seems to be putting on this guide 
as we're moving along life with trouble is to wait on the Lord, that he is putting his trust in the Lord and he is waiting on the Lord. This idea of waiting is not a passive waiting, but it is an active waiting. To wait on the Lord is to actively seek to do what God says in the midst of the troubles. You can't say that you and I are waiting on the Lord in our troubles while we're doing what we want to do with our life in the midst of our troubles. This is why if you look at David's wording in verses four and five, here he is in trouble and he's saying, I'm waiting on you, Lord, but listen to verse four and five. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. What is he saying? As I'm waiting for you, Lord, I'm actively waiting for you. Teach me, lead me Teach me, make me to know your ways. He's saying, Lord, I want to actively seek you, actively know you while I am waiting on you. While I'm waiting on you to come help me in this trouble. This is what it means to wait on the Lord. Not to be passive, but to be active. So picture with me, our beloved Kansas City Chiefs start the season off and in their home opener, they play a horrible game. Routes aren't being run right. Patrick Mahomes is sailing passes. The, the defense is not doing their assignments and they're not in the place that they're supposed to be. And so the first game, it's just full of troubles. And they come to the office on Monday and Andy Reid is standing there and he says, listen, this week, guys, I just want you to go and I want you to go back to your homes and just do whatever you want to do this whole week. We'll get back next Sunday. We've got another game coming. We'll just get back together next Sunday and we'll go for it, right? And as a fan, we would be like, that's sort of the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life, right? You've got to get together as a team. And as you're waiting for the next game, you're actively waiting by going over the playbook, by talking through assignments. And this is the same idea. It's silly for us in our troubles to not actively be waiting on the Lord to not actively be saying to the Lord, teach me your ways, make me to know your paths, lead me. While I'm waiting on you, I'm trusting in you and I'm wanting to know you better. We live in an instant society. So when it comes to trouble, we want to get it fixed now. Like yesterday, we want it fixed. And waiting actually opens the door for us to know God. That's why he's saying, in the midst of my troubles, Lord, I'm waiting on you, but I'm also asking you to teach me and to lead me and to make me know your paths because he's saying, I, I wanna know you while I'm waiting on you. So the question is, what is God teaching you in your troubles? How is God leading you in your difficult circumstance? How are you getting to know God more in these troubles? Waiting opens the door for us to know God more. So as we're going along this path of trouble, we're waiting on the Lord, but we're waiting actively on the Lord. Then look at verses 6 through 11. So the guide first is wait on the Lord. The second part of this guide is that we are forgiven by the Lord. David says in verse six, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. 
Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. David seems to be thinking of trouble not from the outside now. David seems to be thinking of trouble from the inside. In the midst of this trouble, David is wondering, if God remembers my sins, is he going to drop me like a bad habit? Is he, as I'm going through these troubles and I'm working on my relationship with the Lord, is he going to remember my sins and be like, ah, you're getting what you deserve? Is that the kind of God we serve? Well, look at what he says in verse 6. He's saying to to God and he's reminding God. God doesn't need to be reminded when he's praying to God. He's actually reminding his own heart. He's saying, remember your mercy, O Lord. This word mercy in the Hebrew language is related to the term womb. So the picture that David is after here is of the gentle compassion that a mother has for her baby. It is a mother who doesn't give the baby what she deserves or or he deserves when they're throwing a fit. Instead, a mother pulls the baby close and comforts it. This is what God does to us when we come to him with our sin as he shows us mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he holds us close and comforts us through the person of Jesus Christ. Not only does he say mercy there, he also says in verse six, this term, your steadfast love. So if the picture for mercy is a mother who's, who's, who's comforting her crying baby, the, the, the steadfast love is a picture of a married couple, of a committed love. This picture here is of a covenant marriage where in that covenant marriage, you make the promise until death do us part. This is that idea of steadfast love. So as David is thinking about this struggle, this trouble from within, he's saying, remember your mercy, O Lord. Remember your covenant love for me. Then in verse seven, he says, don't remember how stupid I was in my youth, right? Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love for the sake of your goodness. His focus in forgiveness is all about the Lord. There was a pastor who was counseling a man in his 90s who said to the pastor that the devil kept bringing up his past to him. So he's in his 90s, getting close to the end of his life and he's still struggling with the devil bringing up his past to him. So the pastor replies to this man, when you came to God 70 years ago, you confessed your sin and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Don't you remember that when you confessed your sins, God said, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. If God has forgotten them, why should you think about them? The man relaxed and replied, I am an old fool remembering what God has forgotten. As we walk through troubles in life, you must remember that you have been forgiven by the Lord. 
In verses 8 through 10, you see how good the Lord is in that he instructs the sinner in the way he should go. So he doesn't just save us from our sins, but he also helps us to know how to live this life as we struggle in our sins. And in verse 9, I want you to notice he uses the term humble twice. He says, he leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. Listen, forgiven people are humble people. So as he forgives us of our sins, we walk then in humility towards him. You you know what James says. James says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you're walking through troubles, walk with humility because you know that you have been forgiven by God. And when you walk in humility, again, this active waiting, the Lord is going to come and instruct you in the way that you should go. In verse 11, David finishes this section by saying, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt for it is great. David is feeling the depths of his sin in this moment, but he also knows the depths of God's forgiveness. Isaiah, the prophet, reminds us of the words of the word of the Lord in Isaiah 43 in verse 25. I, this is the Lord speaking, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. There is such freedom in forgiveness. And here's the deal. The freedom comes in the reality that it would be against the Lord's name for him not to forgive us. That that's how good he is, that he has forgiven us and he hasn't forgiven us for our sake. He's forgiven us for his name's sake. And as you walk through trouble, you must remember that you have been forgiven by the Lord. My question would be, do you know the freedom of God's forgiveness today? Have you experienced that freedom of knowing, as the psalmist would say in other places, that your sins are as far as the east is from the west? That because Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died the death for your sin on the cross and was buried and rose again, you can know the freedom of forgiveness. You can know that your sins don't have to hold you down anymore because you've been set free from the power of sin through the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know that freedom today? Have you experienced that freedom? Are you continuing to walk in the slavery of sin? Today, I would invite you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and know what it means to, even when you're walking through trouble in life, to have the freedom of knowing that you've been forgiven by the Lord. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. So we must remember as we go along this guide of trouble that we are to wait on the Lord, that we have been forgiven by the Lord. And then in verses 12 through 16, or through 15, I want to remind you that you are a friend of the Lord. Because you've been forgiven by the Lord, the natural progression is now you are a friend of the Lord. Look at verses 13, uh, it says, or, or verse 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? 
Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. And verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Some of your translations may say the secret counsel of the Lord. What he's saying is there's this relationship with the Lord that as you go through these troubles that you have a friend in the Lord that you are a friend of the Lord. But that friend of the Lord begins with the fear of the Lord. You see, when we're saved and we come to know Jesus Christ and the freedom of forgiveness, there becomes this friendship with the Lord. This idea that we fear him not out of a terrifying fear that he's gonna strike us dead, but we fear the Lord out of a reverent awe of the Lord. The way I like to picture it, and, and I know this is maybe an easy illustration for me because of who my dad is, and for others in the room, you may hear this, who you don't have a good father or didn't have a good father, so to think of your father wouldn't work. But I would say, for me in my life, this works because I have a dad that I fear in not a terrifying way that he's gonna show up on my doorstep and give me spankings, right? But I have a, a, a reverent awe fear of my dad. So when we're at my dad's on Father's Day, I don't walk in and give him a fist bump and say, hey, bro, what's up? How you doing? You know, like sort of talk to my dad that way. No, I walk in the door and I give my dad a hug and I say, it's good to see you, dad. I, I love you. There's, there's an honor to dad as well, letting him go first in line. If you go on a ride, he rides in the front seat. He drives, right? All those kind of things. That's a reverent awe kind of fear of my dad. This is the kind of fear that we have of the Lord. There's an honoring of him, a, a reverent awe that we prefer him before ourselves, that we go back to verse one, that we lift our souls only to him, that we trust in him only. And this fear of the Lord leads to this friendship with the Lord, that we are a friend of the Lord. When you go through trouble, there's nothing like having a friend who's right there with you. I, I know many of you can think of a moment you went through trouble and there was the beauty of that friend that was right there with you. As I, as, as you maybe saw in our weekly this week, we had three family members who lost, three church members we lost this week through death. And as I watched these families walk through losing a family member, what do you see them walking with friends you see their friends there with them sitting close to the front. You see their friends afterwards. You see their friends at their house. There's nothing like going through trouble, having a friend right there with you. It reminded me of the classic song from Toy Story, You've Got a Friend in Me, right? So I'm sorry I'm putting this song in your mind because you won't be able to get it out the rest of the day. But you know how it goes, Woody was Andy's friend and he sings this song, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. You got troubles, I've got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and see it through because you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. And the reality today, and this is, this is a powerful thing, as we're going along life and we've got our troubles, you have a friend in the Lord. 
Psalms 23 reminded us of that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I can fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You've got a friend in the Lord. I think of Proverbs 18 and verse 24. It says that the Lord is a friend that sticks closer than even a brother. I think in John chapter 15 and verse 15 where Jesus says, I've called you servants, but I'm not going to call you servants anymore. Now I'm going to call you my friend. Jesus is a friend who walks through trouble with you. So listen, don't believe the lie that you're all alone in your trouble. You have a friend. It's the Lord. He is with you. Seek after him. So we've seen, we wait on the Lord. We're forgiven by the Lord. We have a friend of the Lord. And then last is we cry to the Lord in verses 16 through 19 and verse 22. I wanted to use a different word, like pray to the Lord, talk to the Lord. But in my study and looking at the terms that David used here, those terms weren't strong enough, right? This is not a little silent prayer where he gets down on one knee and says, Lord, please help me, right? This is not a talk to the Lord kind of thing. If you read the terms that he uses in verse 16 through 19, this is a, I'm pounding my fist on the table saying, I need you. There's some intensity to these last verses as he's feeling the trouble in his life. Listen to them. Turn to me. That's not a quiet little, let me turn to me, Lord, right? Like this is, turn to me, be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. You feel, David, in those verses. You feel him in those troubles crying out to the Lord. And here's the thing I thought about. Only in a relationship where you trust the person can you talk with them this way. You're not going to go to your coworker and say these things. You may go to your spouse and say these things, but you can only talk to the Lord in this way because why? You know that he can do something about it. You know that he can answer your prayer. So you cry out to him. And I would encourage you today, if you find yourself carrying the heavy burdens of isolation, of loneliness, of affliction, maybe it seems like you're surrounded by enemies as well, cry out to the Lord. Before you talk to anybody else, go to the Lord. Get in the car and don't worry what people are thinking about you while you're crying out to the Lord. Go on a walk and cry out to the Lord. Maybe not, you know, be careful where you're going. Your neighbors might not want to talk to you if you're walking around talking out loud to yourself. But go to Ann Garney Park where nobody's at and you can cry out to the Lord there, right? But cry out to him. Let him know your concerns. And then I love how David ends this song in verse 22. He says, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Here's what David is saying. 
in this individual lament, he's saying all God's people got troubles, right? Because he says, redeem Israel. Now his focus has went from him to, he looks around the whole congregation of God's people and he says, we all got troubles. And so we're all crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, you've got to redeem us. You've got to step in and rescue us from our troubles. Here's the thing I love about Psalms 25. It doesn't end with no more troubles. It doesn't tie up in a neat little bow and like, oh, that was great. Like, right? Life's good now. No more troubles. The burden has fallen off. You're good to go. It doesn't end that way. It ends still in the no answer. It ends in the angst of there's still troubles. But I think it also ends with us still on the path, but on the path with confidence. Why? Because we're waiting on the Lord. We're forgiven by the Lord. We're a friend of the Lord. And we can cry out to the Lord in the midst of our troubles. Father, thank you for your word today that takes us last Sunday from the gates of heaven to this Sunday in the valley of the shadow of death. It takes us to the Wednesdays of our life. And it reminds us that as followers of you, we're not exempt from trouble. Yes, triumph is coming, but we're going to have troubles in the here and now. And so we are grateful that you inspired David to write this song. So those nights when we're laying our, on our beds and we're putting our earphones in and we need a song to listen to, you've given us Psalms 25. And I pray in those moments as we carry our troubles along in this life, Lord, we would wait on you. That we would be reminded that we've been forgiven by you. When the enemy in the midst of our trouble is saying, listen, this is what you deserve. May we be reminded that you don't remember our sins anymore because of Jesus. May you remind us as we're going along this guide of, or, or along this path of trouble that you are a friend, that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that you're right there with us. And then Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to not get bitter towards you, but to cry out to you, to express our heart to you and our, our desire for you, yes, to work because we know you can. That's why we cry out to you. There, there's no one else in this earth. There's no other God that we can cry out to who's gonna intervene. You're the only one because you are the only God. And so we cry out to you in that confidence in the midst of our troubles. Please help us in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.